Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, guys? Welcome to Millennial Sports Talk. This is Ben Verlander along with Michelle Margot. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's kind of a big deal. And we now have music before the show starts. How was your week, Michelle? (laughs) I did not know where you were going to go with that. I was like, what is he about to say? Uh, My week was great. I actually went to San Diego Ah, the winter um, meetings. That's yes, right. and that's a, a bit of a hometown for me. I went to college there and worked um, for Fox Sports San Diego there for a couple of years. So it was a little bit of a homecoming, but um, that was my first experience at Major League Baseball winter meetings. Have you ever been? No, I haven't, actually. I, I really want to go. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, it's an annual meeting that's held in December every year. Uh, where all members of all 30, or not all members of every team, but a member of every uh Every team in Major League Baseball gets together to discuss league business, conduct trades, acquisitions, and stuff like that. So uh, it'd be really cool to go. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, it was awesome. And there's a ton of job fairs and um, all the managers, all the front office people, some of the players that are looking for jobs go, um, a a ton of broadcasters. So it was fun. A lot of fans were there. That's Um, sweet. Yeah, all the networks were there. So MLB Network, ESPN. All the regional sports networks, not that anybody really cares, but it's cool for what we <laughs> what we do. Um, so you've never been. Um, I have not. No. I want to go, though. It's very crowded. Like, you can't go through the lobby without seeing someone that you know. You're always – and then there's a ton of networking. There was actually a bit of drinking that I didn't expect. Oh, snap. Um, I did not participate, but it seemed that everybody else did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what I noticed actually that I, I guess it wouldn't have taken me going to the winter meetings to notice, but of the eight managerial openings in major league baseball this off season, four of them. So 50% of them were filled by somebody younger than 45. Really? Yeah. So there's, there's eight managerial openings, Padres, Royals, Giants, Cubs, Angels, Pirates, Mets, and Phillies. Yeah. And four of the guys that took those jobs. We're younger than 45. Doesn't that seem young for a manager yeah. of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I'd be very interested to see how even like 10 to 20 years ago, like I bet you that number, if there were eight managerial opens, openings and going into the 2000 season, I guarantee you it's not even close to, to that age, I wouldn't think. That seems young. It does. And I think the big thing, I mean, you make a, an excellent point. I think the big thing for managers and the number one trait that organizations looked for even like maybe five, six years ago was experience. They wanted someone experienced and how much experience can you have at 45 years old? Well, not a lot, especially if you're not too far (laughs) removed from playing, but uh, now it seems to be the opposite. It seems that that's the direction that everything's going is all these front office execs are hiring younger 
managers. Yeah. Why, why is that? Uh, I think it has a lot to do with because the game itself is going a lot more towards analytics. And I think younger managers or not even managers yet, but younger, younger guys in general kind of have been around the game more recently and understand what it's all about. Um, That'd be my best guess. I mean, you look at guys like, for example, Carlos Beltran, who just filled the the Mets job. He was playing two two years ago. Yeah. You know, like you never used to see a guy walk off the field and two years later he's a manager in the dugout. And now, like, you're starting to see it more and more. And I, I have to think it's because of analytics, right? Um. Well, I, I mean, we can get into that, but it's I, – I don't know if it's good or bad. I have yet to determine that because I've – I've worked closely with three different major league baseball organizations mm-hmm. and um, all three had relatively young managers, relatively inexperienced managers, but still win. Yeah. So um, there's a lot that goes into it and it could be a spurious relationship, but I think the biggest thing, and you as a former player could probably attest to this is a, you want a player's manager. A hundred percent. That I would say that's what is most important to to myself. Um, You know, not necessarily most important. It's just something that's very, very important. I think when you walk into a locker room and you're around the same group of guys and the same group of coaches all year long, it's very important that it's not like, okay, well, he's kind of, we don't see him unless we're out on the field. And, And I think that's becoming more and more prevalent in sports as we go along is that we're seeing these younger managers that not only not only the whole sabermetrics thing and the analytics thing but the managers that are younger because they they can relate to the players because they're almost the same age as the players you know yeah I when when talking about if it's good or bad I think there's a little bit of both obviously there's always it's always going to be in between but Sabermetrics versus what you know is a big debate because you used to hire someone who just knew the game inside and out and has all this experience and they have experience with people and they have experience in baseball. And now it seems that they're hiring people either A, I hate this term, but to be a puppet of what the front office wants. 100% though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it sounds bad, but I, essentially uh, a yes man oh yeah they're hiring yes. a yes man. yes um or they're hiring someone who n- can do analytics yeah and is a very very smart person not necessarily was a good player yeah yeah I, I think there's a lot you know I, I think analytics certainly has its place in the game today but and, and you mentioned you know um the, the eye test as well is important and, and a Something that comes to my mind is, you know, as a manager, you're often in control or you are in control of when a pitcher is in the game, when a pitcher comes out of the game. And a lot of these new managers say, okay, well, let me look at the, what do the numbers say? What do the numbers say about this matchup? Oh, this pitcher uh, is on, he's thrown a hundred pitches. He's starting to get tired, but let's look at the numbers. He normally, he normally gets this guy out where an older manager or or not even an older manager, just somebody that's not looking at the analytics all the time could say, you know what, this is a good matchup for this pitcher, but 
he just doesn't have his stuff anymore. He doesn't look as sharp. I don't trust it. I'm going with my gut. I'm pulling him out of this game and bringing in somebody else. You know, and we're starting to see that less and less, I think. Yeah, I mean, statistics don't tell you everything, obviously. And there's intangibles, just like in scouting or really anything in life. Even if you are in the business world and you're hiring someone who has the best resume, there's always the people factor and and whether or not they can talk to people and get along with people, all that stuff. Um, The biggest thing that I've noticed from the outside looking in, I guess, essentially inside looking even deeper in. Yeah. Because, well, (laughs) because I am an outsider, I'm not on the team, but being on the team planes and being, being in the clubhouses and just being around what I've noticed is, the managers that create the best culture are the managers that create the winning teams. I really have noticed that. And um, I think that it can backfire. I think a player's manager can backfire certainly to a, a certain degree, but in terms of the intangibles, it's just weird how now it's all of a sudden becoming a thing. Yeah. Were you ever, were you ever in Tampa when Joe Madden was there or no? I, I was not. I was not. So when I think of, you know, I think he's kind of the guy that when you think of a player's manager, and he's, he's a little bit older than these new guys that are coming in, but everything you hear about him is he's the ultimate player manager. He, he rallies his team. And I, when I think of a player's manager, he's the, he's the first one that comes to mind. So I didn't know if you were around him or had any. No, I've met him, but I, I've never worked directly with him um, on a daily basis, but he is the epitome of a player's manager and somehow he's done it at 65 years old. So that, I mean, that in itself, obviously there's going to be outliers. And I think that if you're a front office exec, but it is very obvious that the trend now is to hire, not necessarily younger, like they don't have to be age wise younger, but less experienced. And I'm, I want to know why. I mean, they they definitely are, though. I mean, you look at – and it's probably – it's been within the last five years, you know? For sure. Uh, what? I mean, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say, how much of a difference does a manager make? Obviously, I have my opinions, but yeah. as, a, as a former player, what – obviously, managers make decisions. We know that, but yeah. they can delegate their responsibilities to the pitching coach and the hitting coach and infield yeah. coaches and all that stuff. But what – what is the most important job of a manager other than setting so, the tone? Yeah, so what you the stuff you just mentioned is the stuff that you see and that you know he does out on the field. And as a player, personally, the biggest difference that a manager makes comes when and and how he runs his team. You know, so for me personally, I was an outfielder. Um, I wanted to play every day. That's a positions player goal. We we want to play every single day. Obviously, that doesn't always happen. You get rest. And, and, and that's also something that's important, okay? A manager says, all right, well, this guy's hitting really well. He needs a day off, though. What am I going to do? And, and, and there's a lot of decisions like that that go into it. Or this guy hasn't played in a while, but everybody on my team uh, is hitting pretty well. Where do I get this guy in? So I think how they manage their players in the locker room when they post the lineup card up on the wall before a game, I think that's where a manager can win over respect. You know, and uh, I, I had a year where I wasn't playing every single day, uh, but I'd get I'd go on really hot stretches, and 
I'd, I'd go on this stretch of hitting, you know, three, three thirty for a week. And I knew every single day that I showed up, I was going to be hitting. And that's how, you know, you have a good manager plays the hot hand. And, and I think that's something that's important. I've worked with managers. I'm not going to name any names because there's only three technically that I've worked very closely with in terms of um, being there every day. I've, I've worked with other managers from afar um, and I didn't see as much that went into their decision-making, but what I've noticed is there's, there are managers who don't care what the player wants. They don't care if you want a day off. They don't care if they want to play every day and they are going to play what they think is they're going to put the best lineup out there no matter what. And then there's other managers who will take into consideration, oh, well, we're playing in this guy's hometown. We should move him up in the order. Or we think that he needs to change the scenery, blah, blah, blah. And I think that the managers, again, this really interestingly goes across any kind of industry other than baseball and sports. But the managers that listen to their players' needs actually are more successful than those who think they are controlling everything. More successful and gain their players' respect, which I think is very important and part of the reason they end up becoming successful. But, but you saying that about playing in a guy's hometown uh, made me think of a story. I, I had a manager that, um, you know, you, have, you go through spring training and then you end up getting put on a team and then you travel to that location. And then uh, so, so we get there, we have our first meeting, and I remember I had this manager that, and one of the first thing he says is, if we're playing in your hometown or your girlfriend's coming into town or your parents are coming into town, let me know. I'll get you in the lineup. We play, wow. we play 140 plus of these games. Just let me know if somebody's coming into town. We'll get you in the lineup. And, and you know what? That, that's cool, I thought. That's cool. There were days too, and I, I mean, I can say this, but there were days when working with the Astros where Michael Brantley did not want to DH. He wanted to play in the outfield. Yeah. And AJ Hinch would be like, no, you need a day off. Like, it's also you have to manage – um, I don't, I wouldn't say egos, but you have to manage what guys think that they're capable of. And after enough experience, I think managers know when to, to bench someone or when to, yeah. you know, make them just take a day off their feet. A hundred percent. And, you know, there's the obvious, there's the obvious on field things, you know, when to make a pitching change, when to go, when to go argue for your players, stuff like that. But it's the stuff that, that you just mentioned. Okay. Brantley's swinging the bat really well right now. He's been out there 50 games in a row. He needs a day. He needs a day off. When do I give it to him? When do I give it to him? Am I going to give it to him uh, on a day game before we travel? Like it, it is the stuff like that. And you have to know the player's not always going to like it, you know. But uh, I think it's important, and and that's that balance of uh, that makes a good manager, I think. And that's where it shows up the most. Okay, I need to have my players respect. But I also need to know that I manage this team, and uh, I think they have to find that balance. And I think that's why it's so important. Can we just talk about how there are 162 games in a baseball season? <laughs> There's a co-ed softball league that I used to play in, no big deal. I'm an athlete. Um, and I would run down to first base, always got out, but I would run down to first base, <laughs> and I'd be sore for probably six days after. I'm like, yeah. these guys do this four times a game. I mean, I was sprinting though. Like I ran that out and again, always got out, but it was still a good you don't exercise. Need to, you know, you don't need to add that part in. 
Well, I just don't want to act like I'm so cool getting down to first base because I never really made it. And if it was, it was very lucky. (laughs) In my defense, though, I started in the middle of the season and everybody else was a little bit warmed up. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of the 162 games, I don't feel bad for those guys because they get more days off than minor leaguers get. I, one, of, one of the years I was playing, we played 142 games in 150 days. Like, what? How? Now <laughs> that, that is a grind. Yeah. And you're fighting for a job and not living on a whole lot of money. That's yeah. That's, that's a whole nother episode. Whole, <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me going in that direction. No. All right. So I like to do this every week where I kind of quiz you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, guess the average age of a major league baseball manager in the next season, 2020. Hmm. The average age for this upcoming season. Knowing Joe Madden is 65. Yeah. If you needed point of reference. I'm going to say 58. 58. For real? 52. Okay. That, was, that took <laughs> yeah. a turn. Yeah, 58. Is that too old? Um, I don't want to say too old because, like, my parents are going to. No, too. Am I, am I overshooting? Am I? You are overshooting, Benjamin. What is it? Um, 50. Point six, so fifty years old in six months, fifty and a half if we're counting half birthdays. I um, could not have been further off. That was a really no. You could have really, been further off. You I were mean, in the fifties. You were that in the right a, decade. That was a really bad guess, and I appreciate okay. you sticking up for me, but that just sucked. I well, was Joe scared. Madden really throws off the average at sixty-five years old. Also, Brian Snicker is sixty-four. Yeah, see, I, these are the guys I was thinking of, and then I would I would think of guys and what they look like in my head, and I was like, he looks a little older, like. Uh, whatever. I'm not going to justify it because I was way off. So clearly I was wrong. Okay. I'll give you another shot here. Guess the youngest manager in major league baseball in 2020. 42. Dude, no, you have to guess the, the, the manager. Oh, 42. Okay. Jackie Robinson, <laughs> relax. The youngest in this upcoming season. How old is uh... that? came out so fast. Am I right? Like didn't even get to finish my sentence. 42. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, how old's Gabe Kapler? Is it him? It is not Gabe Kapler. Oh, is it Beltron? No. It is not Carlos Beltron. Who is it? But I did look this up. Kapler's 44, I believe, and Beltron's 42. No big deal. So it's not 42. 42 is not the youngest. Okay, I'm going to tell everyone, because I know people are sitting on the edge of their seats just wondering what it is. I am. I am. Tell me. It is... Rocco Baldelli, the Minnesota Twins, he's 38. He 38. worked yeah, he worked with me in uh, Tampa Bay and got the managerial job in 2019 and went on to do very well with his yeah. team and manager of the year. So he will so next year he's still going to be the youngest. Good for him. I know, he was 37 last year. Um 38, so and then 39, Jace Tingler, the, the Padres' new manager, is 39. Yeah. I'm not doing great at these, um, these games, huh? Way no. off. Do you know my age? Don't answer that. <laughs> 20. I'm officially, I know I'm old because I'm officially at the point where I used to want to be called older. And I'm like, why do they always guess 22? 
And now I'm at the age where I'm like, oh my gosh, I really hope that they're going to guess younger than 30. And I am, yes, younger than 30. You're not old, Michelle. Look on the bright side. You're way younger than any manager is. (laughs) (laughs) Got a couple years to go. But at this trick, like at this rate in the trend, I might be a manager pretty soon. That's a good point. Also a good point. Um, you know what I also have noticed, which I'm sure you have as well, that the GMs are getting younger too. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's becoming like a thing there. It's just I, the average age of the whole front office, from the front office down to the coaching staff over the past five years has to just be going down, down and down. And pretty soon we're going to have 16 year olds owning the teams. I'm just kidding. Do you think it is more or less understandable for a GM to be young nowadays than, than a manager being young? Uh, that's tough. That's tough. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I think it's more understandable for a manager to be younger. No, nope, totally disagree. Really? Is this our but, first fight? I don't know. Let's see. Did you Whoa. listen to the last episode? <laughs> why do you, uh, why do you say that? Um, because I think, experience comes into play a lot more as a manager. You are literally directly oh with these players. Oh my God, I disagree. What? I disagree. As a Not- GM, you have dis- scouts to do all that for you. And I think it is more understandable for a general manager in this day and age to be able to have less experience and do a better job on average than a manager who has zero experience, zero experience managing a game. Obviously, they have experience playing a game, but managing is a lot different. Yeah, so, so managers are in contact with the team every single day. They have a lot different of a relationship with players than a GM does. And, and depending on the team, you, know, you, don't, you don't ever really see the GM on some teams. Or they're hardly around or they're in passing through a locker room. I think, personally... Personally, Michelle, I believe that. <laughs> and now I know you're serious. <laughs> I just think it's more important for a manager to be younger because it, it's easier to relate to players. And I think you're seeing more and more that players that bring their team together and know how to relate and, and know how to, to keep it fun throughout a season, which is so important when you're playing 162 plus games, is getting out of the monotony of every single day it's the same the same the same and I think these younger managers understand that and are doing things to get out of the realm of that every single day grind but don't you think that there has to be some boundaries don't you think that if if players relate to your manager too much then it's not good yeah I I 100% you don't need to be out with the boys you don't need to be you shouldn't I I agree yeah I agree with you there I think there's a lot yeah, but I think that you really get into a gray area when you're hiring people who are two years. This is not directed at Carlos Beltran. You mentioned that he was two years, but I'm just yeah. saying if you're if you're hiring someone who's two years, you know, older. Or I remember, I remember um, Andy Green, who is no longer with the Padres. He's a bench coach of the Cubs now. But when he was the manager of the Padres, um, I believe he and Adam Rosales, who was on that team they were roommates when they played together and now he's the <laughs> manager so I think that there's and and you know Andy and Adam are great there's there's no problem there but I think that if there that causes more problems than Joe Madden or someone who's 
okay. in their 60s I, hanging I, out with you know Robinson. I mean, there are guys that are older and potentially at some point going to be older than the managers. I do I do agree with that, but that that comes down to to hiring the right guy. You you, you can't hire a guy that is going to be out partying with his players and and there's a line as a manager, you have to you have to have the right guy for the job and whether it be 40 or, or 60, I, I just think a younger guy can relate better to his team, but it's important that they know the line between a player and manager and, and keep that line there. You know, I don't, I don't think a GM should hire a guy that is known as a, that has a partying reputation is going to go partying with the guys on the team that are basically the same age he is. You know, I think you, get, you have to find that balance. Well, we can talk about this all we want, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we think. But do you think that overall this is good or bad? And and why is this happening? Is it because the game is changing? Is it because technology is changing? Is it because we're in 2019, almost 2020, so people are just becoming more lax? What is it? Um, what? I, I'm going to say overall – it's a good thing, is my opinion. Um, I disagree. I love that. I love when you disagree. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why? Find, right. find you a man who likes when you disagree with him. <laughs> Why, though? Why do you disagree? I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned. I, there are a lot of takes that I have that are old-fashioned, but us being millennials, I don't know. No, that's a good. that's a good thing. I think that... I'm big on experience and that is probably unfair because I'm younger and obviously people have given me opportunities in my career when I was less experienced and without people like that, then younger people would never be able to make it very far. But I really do believe in experience. And I think that we humans learn through experience. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. I think you're right. I, I hate when you're right. <laughs> I, and, and honestly, I think, and this is tough, but in this, I think that you're looking for that balance now. I think you're looking for somebody that can relate to the team, which just in nature is going to be somebody that's a little bit younger. Just, just in general, somebody that's closer in age to the members of the team is going to be able to relate to them better. What, with that being said, you're also looking for somebody that has experience. That, that knows the game, that has feel for the game, that, you know, that, and that's something that comes with age and comes with experience. And, and I really think it's, a, and it's an interesting discussion of how do you find that right guy? And, and you know, I feel like, and I, I hope I'm right, but I think a guy like Carlos Beltran is a perfect example of somebody that has that blend. And I guess time will tell. Well, take the age thing out of it. I'm just talking about experience. So like when I say that I think it's a bad thing that people are hiring younger, when I say younger, I mean less experienced. Like I don't care if you're 60 and you're a first year manager, you're not like someone could be 43 and have more experience than a 60 year old getting hired for the first time. And I think the person who's younger would actually end up doing better. I'm talking about experience. I think that all of a sudden all these people are first year managers. Like it's almost as if that's what people are looking for. And maybe I'm, maybe it's just more, maybe it's not more prevalent and I'm just noticing it more, but it seems, I mean, this year, so Jace Tingler, first year manager. Yeah. David Ross, first year manager. 
Derek Shelton, I believe, is the first-year manager. Carlos Beltran, first-year manager. That's crazy. I know. That actually is crazy. And like, then there's I'm, guys like Buck Showalter hanging out out there. And there's – there's And Gardy, Gardenhire in Detroit. I mean, oh, you're talking about – are you talking uh, about the winter meetings? I'm just talking about in general, like not – they are not managers right now. There are people uh, who have a lot of experience as managers who are not managing. Gotcha, gotcha. And then instead of choosing someone who – but that might be because they're stuck in their ways of thinking old school and these organizations are going money ball routes or whatever. Uh, it's interesting. I'm actually very interested to see how these first-year guys do. And I think this year, with there being so many in place, I think this is a big year for them and a lot of organizations – are looking at them like, all right, let's see, you know, what are these guys going to do? They, they don't have much experience. They're going to relate to their team well. I, let's see if this pays off. Let's see if we should go in this direction or if it doesn't and we need somebody with more experience. But honestly, it's interesting. And, and a lot of these managers are set up and, and, and with teams that can win now, you know? So it's not like these, these owners and GMs are saying, Let's uh let's bring in this younger manager and hope to develop a good team. Right, like right. Some of these guys are put in position. All right, we're taking a chance on you, and yeah. we we, we want to win now. We are ready to win now. Yeah, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, well, Carlos Beltran. I mean, he he's going to the top market in the nation as a first year manager, and yeah. that is that takes something else. For anyone who knows New York sports or, or... That's true. You're getting thrown right into the fire with the team that's supposed to win, and you're in New York City. Yeah. Go get them, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, any last thoughts before we move on to everyone's favorite segment? Uh, no, I think I, I, like, I like what we covered. I think, that's a, I think that was a good conversation, uh, which leads us to what we have done in our first two episodes that... Uh, Seems to have been getting a good response, which is our goat moment of the week, Michelle. Yeah, this is the first one I've done so far, and it's not going to measure up to yours, disclaimer. You tug on the heartstrings, and I can't (laughs) compare. (laughs) But I had to give the goat moment of the week because of the winter meetings theme that we're going with here to Garrett Cole of the now New York Yankees who just signed a record-breaking contract for a pitcher. Nine years, $324 million, about 36 mil per year. That's wow. crazy. I mean, that he is the goat of the week. I mean, literally. He is, he's the goat. That's a perfect of, one. I know. He like, went, by definition, he is <laughs> potentially the goat. Um, yeah. I also got to witness his incredible season last year with Houston. And I think that that helps me supporting this contract. And I have my own opinions on big contracts for players in any sport, which that could be another episode, (laughs) but I do support this for Garrett. And I think it'll be really cool for him in the city of New York. And he, he grew up a Yankees fan, even though he's from Southern California. Um, and actually, my my really only personal story with Garrett, um, so this is, I don't even like to admit this. So when I was <laughs> doing sideline for the Astros, 
I really had my heart set on doing a pre first pitch hit for those who don't know what a hit, like a sideline hit. It's a story basically, but it's short. Um, it was the day that, it was a day that Justin, your brother doesn't really know was pitching. And I had my heart set because, you know, we, we talk every five days about the same pitcher every five days, right. Right? especially right. if that pitcher is doing well. So I'm like, okay, I want to make it different. I want to, you know, and I'm thinking, trying to brainstorm what I'm trying to go with here for, for right. Justin Verlander. And I'm thinking what separates him from everybody else? And of course, there's what we mentioned earlier, the intangibles, his drive, his hunger, whatever. Right. And I came up with the fact that I really wanted to do it on his release point mm-hmm. and how basically, or, or arm saw basically how, for those who don't understand baseball very well, he could throw multiple different pitches with different movement and it looks like it's coming from the exact same spot. Correct, right. Ben? That would, yep. You would say that's accurate? Nailed it. So I, to explain that very quickly, if you have a minute to do it, in layman's terms, was very challenging. <laughs> so right. I was asking person after person just to confirm that I was saying the right thing because I didn't want to be wrong. Right. And I basically pulled Garrett aside and was like, listen, at the risk of sounding really stupid right now, I need you to confirm that what I'm saying is accurate, correct. And I need you to explain if I'm saying something wrong and why, like how he's able to do it and how he's able to repeat his delivery and how he's so consistent, blah, blah, blah. blah. And Garrett sat there for like 20 minutes in the dugout with me and just went through it with me. And I answered, fielded all of my probably ridiculously stupid questions for someone who has pitched their whole life. But I just wanted to make sure that I was right. And I did not have a sounding board to do it. It was Justin's start day. So I obviously couldn't talk to him on a start day. And I just, I just sat there for like 20 minutes asking question after question. He did not make me feel dumb about it. And he, he spoke to me as if I was not, okay, this going into another thing, but I don't like when players or, or coaches or managers talk to me as if I'm a girl. Of course. And, and Garrett didn't do that. He, it was as if I had been playing and he was showing me everything physically, mechanically, stra- trying to explain it to me. And I really appreciated that. So That's really cool. So I guess he just deserves $324 million for that. No, and I think that's a really good choice for the week. And, and I think it is a big contract. And I think, um, I think he's worth every penny. And he's a really good person. Um, as evidence of the story he just uh, that you just told us, um, so I couldn't be happier for him. Um, and uh, yeah, good choice. Thanks, and I'm sorry that it didn't make anybody cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that is it for Millennial Sports Talk this week. <laughs> on a good note, and uh, remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and uh, feel free to leave a review. And remember to tune in next week. Yeah, and if you guys ever have any feedback or suggestions, what you want to hear, um, we have all sorts of topics that we want to talk about, but obviously we want to talk about what you guys want to hear. Um, if you have any people that you want to hear from, let us know. We'll, we're going to start getting some guests on here soon. Um, probably, what would you say, after the holidays? Yeah, yep. So let us know. Thanks for listening.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.